This is The Good Life in Early Life, a production of Nebraska Extension. I'm your host, Emily Manning, an early childhood extension educator in Seward County. Our guest for this episode is passionate about promoting movement across the lifespan, beginning at birth. She has received her master's in physical activity and health promotion from the University of Nebraska Omaha and her PhD in health promotion and disease prevention research from the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Some of her research interests are examining factors that impact infant and toddler physical activity, promoting movement in early childhood settings, and identifying innovative ways to support women's movement during pregnancy and postpartum. Welcome to the show, Dr. Danae Dinkle. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. We are so excited to have you today, and we've got a great list of questions, so I cannot wait to dive into our topic for today. But of course, we got to start off with the question I ask everyone. What is a funny memory from your childhood or a favorite memory from your childhood? I spent my entire childhood playing sports, so I am so thankful for my parents. And now as an adult with three small children, I can't imagine all the time and money (laughs) They put into transporting me places, but I, we, I grew up in a small town outside of Lincoln, Elmwood, Nebraska, and we spent a lot of time driving back and forth to Lincoln for some of the competitive things. And I just remember like always wishing like Star Trek was true and you could like teleport from one place to another just for the amount of time that we would spend like driving to different tournaments. You know, we would play different regional tournaments too. And I just so thankful that my parents spent all that time. But man, we spent a we spent a good quality time in the car together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also, whenever I have to travel, I'm like, I wish I could just teleport. Why is that not a thing? I do not want to have to drive. I don't want to have to fly. Just get me there. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you spent a lot of quality time in the car. Any specific memories that stand out to you? There was one softball tournament that we used to play in Kansas City, I think it was. And it was the exact same time that Wimbledon was. And we had this black and white TV that we had in the back of this brown, it had shag carpet on the walls. And I would always be like moving the antenna to like try and get it to like get something in while we're driving to Kansas City so I could watch Wimbledon. And I was so convinced that if my ki- my parents would have put me in tennis that I would have been at Wimbledon. Um, but, uh, yeah, but shag carpet van, the black and white TV with like the metal hanger antenna. Yeah, that yeah. was that was like the high life. Like I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that's luxury right uh-huh, there. It really yeah. is. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing that. Okay, let's get into our topic. And we're talking about physical movement and physical health for in early childhood. My question is, when you think about physical health for young children ages birth to five years, what do you think is most important for parents to know? I think that it's important to think, especially an infant and toddler, that it's important to give kids opportunities to move more. We have seen some in our research and, and other research kind of across the world that oftentimes kids um, are thought to be active enough, that it's part of their temperament. They're either an active kid who moves around like crazy or a kid who just kind of sits there. But just as us adults are sedentary more often and sitting and watching TV or driving (laughs) to and from places, our our kids are right there with us. So they are in those types of restrictive devices like car seats. Or when you have a baby, it is almost so overwhelming to go into a store and see all of the things that 
are marketed to us as that we need to be able to put our child in um, so they can sit upright or do things or might even be promoted as, you know, active something or other. And Oftentimes, those items are really restricting movement and not really giving kids an opportunity to just kind of move on their own. So I'd say that's probably the the biggest thing is just realizing that they really do need opportunities. It doesn't have to be great or grand. You don't need to put your kid in a sports program at age two or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, just being able to be outside or have a space in the house or apartment or wherever you may live, they can move and making sure that you're thinking about that opportunity because us as caregivers really determine what kids are doing at that age. Love it. Love it. So thinking about creating opportunities for movement in a natural way without relying on purchased items, just things that are naturally found in the environment. Yeah. But then I was going to ask you, you mentioned that you know, for a long time, the thinking was that it was a child's temperament. They either were really active or they were not. Can we dive into that a little bit more? Temperament definitely plays a part. For anybody who has worked with young children, there are some kids who just naturally have a lot of energy that needs to be expended. (laughs) I for sure can see that in my own children. I can see that in all the different programs. However, I think it's important to really also think about those kids who maybe don't naturally get up and move around and who maybe do sometimes are like closer to the teacher or closer to the parent and not wanting to get up and do things on their own and have that independent. Uh, I think it's even more important in those instances to remember that it is important that all kids, regardless of temperament, need opportunities for movement. Sometimes it's more prevalent when we have those like, oh, this kid is really active or, you know, we're not concerned about it. If it's a kid that's like, oh, this there's multiple kids here. You know, I have a group of like five to 10 kids and this kid is actually like not bouncing off the walls. That's cool. Like leave them. Let them be. Uh, let them be. <laughs> like not think about it. Um, again, it's hard when you have another kid who's just, you know, super excitable and, you know, needs to burn off the energy. So I would say, yes, temperament definitely plays a part. It's just important to think about those kids who might not naturally be like, I'm going to run out the door um, for the good or the bad of it. (laughs) But that all kids, regardless of their temperament, need opportunities to be active. So when you have a child who isn't as active naturally in their temperament, Mm -hmm. what would you do to encourage them to move? How would you go about setting up those opportunities for movement? So it kind of depends on the age of the child. So sometimes when we've done research looking at movement, so in classrooms or outdoors, we found that sometimes those children who are less physically active are those who are more likely to stick next to the teacher. So they want to be interacting with them or, you know, could be the parent at home, right? They're going to be doing whatever the parent or the caregiver is doing. And so sometimes it's important then to really think about how you as the caregiver can be active with the child. Even starting in infancy, one of the movement guidelines from the World Health Organization is really a part of interactive floor-based play. So thinking of ways that again, doesn't need to cost a lot of money where, you know, maybe you're playing horsey if you if you can, or just getting down and trying to roll the ball back and forth. Different small little things like that um, for those kids who aren't just automatically running around the house in yeah. circles <laughs> is that sometimes those kids do need just a little bit more help and support from an adult to help them to develop some of those motor skills. What are the benefits of playing horsey with your children? They're having to like figure out 
about how to climb on top of you. Um, and depending on how mobile or how big they are, you know, like you can crouch down further. Also, great activity for the parent or caregiver too. Um, yeah. <laughs> makes you have to make sure that you're still flexible and uh, good core skill training in that as well. Yeah, sounds like lots of fun for sure. So, why is it important to start healthy habits? early. So especially when looking at physical activity, we know that those kids who have the right motor skills or belief and confidence in their motor skills, so being able to hop, skip, jump, throw, uh, those types of skills is related to physical activity. And so really having that confidence, the sooner that they know that they can do that, the more likely they're able to participate in physical activity or want to participate in physical activity. So one of the reasons that I decided to go back and get my master's and PhD was related to encouraging girls specifically to be more physically active. And I really found that when I was volunteering at a Bible study for um, both girls and boys, but I wanted, I had asked some girls to play a game and they were like, I don't want to sweat. And I'm like, well, physical activity doesn't necessarily mean you have to sweat, but like, come on, let's go do something fun. And so really from that, that really motivated me to want to go back and learn more about how to best create environments to help children be more physically active. And one of the things that I found through just doing my dissertation was that those girls who did not have the right motor skills, some of those girls, like they just couldn't throw the ball across the gym. They couldn't do things. And the other kids who did have the motor skills weren't really trying to help those kids who didn't have the motor skills get back in the game because they want to win. And that's OK. Compa- like, yeah. <laughs> competition isn't necessarily a bad thing. And that really just started my mindset of, of you know, if you don't feel good or if you don't feel like you're going to do that, you're not going to join in in the playground or at recess to do these things if you don't feel confident that you can do that. And so the earlier that we can help to try to promote these skills, I think the better off they are long-term for participating in physical activity. Yeah. What are some myths about physical health that you think people often hear that are not true? So I think one of them that we talked about a little bit ago was just infants infants and toddlers, they're active enough. You don't really need to do anything to promote their activity. We don't need to be really be worried about it during that time frame. And that amount of time that we're sedentary, that is linked to the amount of time that our kids are sedentary. So there's some studies that show our screen time. So, and specifically a couple studies I can think of showed that mom's screen time was specifically linked to like infant and toddler screen time. So the more that we're watching TV, the more likely they're probably watching TV. And so that's one huge myth that I feel like we often Maybe we haven't had the best confidence previously, and so we don't think that we have the skills to teach our kids or that it involves having to sweat or you have to have special clothes. And it's really not true at all. Just going on a walk as a family, going to the park, playing outside, you know, having a dance party inside, all of that is physical activity and movement, and it can be fun. I truly believe that there is... Everyone can find at least one way that they really enjoy being physically active. It's just a matter of finding it. Okay, so you're not telling everyone to go out and run a 5K with their kids and get all the special gear and go play tennis. If that is what you enjoy, I totally encourage you to do all all the things. But if you are not someone who enjoys running, I myself, even though I have been in the physical activity world, and every once in a while I think, man, I should I should run a marathon. And the truth is, my body doesn't 
not like to run. It doesn't. And that's fine. <laughs> I accepted that the older that I got that like, no, that's just not what I enjoy doing. I, I don't for one day. It sounds great. And I do it for one day. And then I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'm over this. This is not this is not for me. So yeah. it's just finding those types of activities that you enjoy. And oftentimes as an adult, too, if you're doing it with your kids and you can see their enjoyment or you're running around and playing tag, that could be a workout, man. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember some really intense games of tag when I was a kid. So changing topics here. What are your favorite things to do with your kids? So I have a problem sitting still. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no way. So I know, The person right? who like, so is specializing on movement and physical activity. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, I love to just go to new places and try and explore so when I was growing up, we grew up outside of like Platte River State Park and Mahoney State Park. And so we'll go there or we'll try to find a new playground to go to or something like that. A new hiking trail, uh, anything. I mean, if we have an afternoon that's free, I'll, you know, we have a city park. We're fortunate that's close enough to us that we can like walk our bike to the park and they can play there for a while. And usually there's, you know a couple other kids there that sometimes I play with them. Sometimes they want me to play with them and I'm trying to get them more into bike riding. Those are, (laughs) those are some of the things uh, I try to, especially right now with the weather, I'm trying to get outside and soak it up as it's been gorgeous much as possible. Um, And also my oldest is in second grade and we live close enough that I try to bike him to school as often as possible. So again, it's just kind of a fun thing that we've done more of this year and towards the end of last year of just, again, little opportunities to find ways to get movement into both of (laughs) all of our days uh, and things like that. So I was thinking about that and then thinking about like how often people in Nebraska have to drive. Mm -hmm. I think the average commute is 30 to 40 minutes for Nebraskans. Mm -hmm. So we're spending a lot of the time in the car. What are your some like some tips for how to maintain active when a lot of our time gets sucked out for kind of that sedentary activity? Yeah, we often can't control where we live and where we work. And I also have when I go into the office, it's probably and get kids dropped off at childcare, you know, probably about 30 minutes in the car. And so, again, it's really trying to find the opportunities and also realizing that any amount of activity is helpful for your children, for you. So I think historically we've thought, oh, we have to have, you know, 30 minutes that we have to set aside to be active. But research has shown in adults that even, you know, a few minutes can provide you with some benefits. And so, you know, think about how you could break that up during the day. Maybe it's taking a walk break at work and, you know, as the we know in Nebraska it's going to get real cold. Like you have stairs in your building where you could just take five minutes and walk up and down the stairs a couple times. And then, you know, with your kids, again, it doesn't have to be like, OK, we're going to sit down and play for 60 minutes and we're going to do this activity because we all know that kids do not have that attention span. <laughs> I don't have that attention yeah, span. And so it's like, oh, let's try this activity for like five minutes. And, you know, if they enjoy it, you can do that. Or letting kids kind of create, you know, especially if they get into like some of those preschool years, they want to have some say in what they're doing. So if they have a game, maybe they learned at their childcare center or family childcare home, or if they just create a game of just sometimes just going with it. The rules may not make sense and oftentimes <laughs> don't. Uh, so, I, I mean, I would say my tips are just take it a small bite at a time. 
maybe find certain parts of your day that either maybe sometimes people are more frustrated. So sometimes it can help to do something fun and exciting or just different. If, you know, the end of school day routine, sometimes my kids and myself and my husband probably are all like kind of grumpy <laughs> and overtired and overstimulated. So sometimes it can be like a quiet time, but sometimes maybe it's like, hey, we're going to throw on our fun favorite fun dance song for three minutes and we are all going to dance it out. Um, and then we can come back to whatever we were doing. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. Because, yeah, the after the school, end of work day, it can be... It can, it can be, be a drag. It can be tough mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so just resetting the energy, resetting the attitude of everybody just by doing a dance party just sounds so much fun. <laughs> and for extra added bonus, this does cost money, but yeah, we also like to get the like light up, what are the, like, the oh, yeah, light the thing, light sticks, glow sticks. Glow there sticks. There we go. Yep, glow sticks. Yep. <laughs> we like to get glow sticks. My kids go, we don't do it all the time because otherwise it'd be super expensive. But then, um, you know, like special time. Times, then we get out our like glow sticks and we turn off the lights um, and have like fun glow stick dance parties. Oh, that's so, so fun. And then you could probably get glow in the dark clothes too. You could. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Those are great ideas. I love it. What would you say to early childhood educators and caregivers who professionally take care of kids every day and educate children birth to the age of eight? What recommendations would you have for them for promoting physical activity in their work and with their children? Similar to as parents, sometimes it's even more beneficial for childcare professionals too, just for them. You know, we know that when kids move more, they typically are better behaved. And so sometimes some of those things that can be challenging is that we've heard from teachers and early childhood educators is just how can we get them to calm back down? So it's really easy to get them to ramp back up, but just having a consistent routine of like, this is what we do. You know, maybe it's a rhyme or it's a sound that is doesn't have to be a whistle, but if there's something that you play um, or you it's a, a song that's played that's a little bit, you know, lower key to kind of help them settle that back down. Uh, and so I just would also encourage, and again, similar to the parents of just trying to get them outside as much as possible. And, and, you know, talking to parents, there's a really great childcare. Well, I work with a lot of really great childcare professionals across the state, um, but I can think of one specifically who who posts a lot about, you know, just letting kids get dirty. And so talking to your parents about like, hey, there, your kid might get dirty. I'm the parent who can get mm-hmm. I know some parents are like, eh, I don't know about that. But just, you know, helping them to kind of explore, giving them the opportunities and then noticing maybe some of those kids who aren't that like innate, naturally are jumping off of everything who might need a little bit more encouragement or structured opportunities to be active. So maybe more teacher-led activities, sometimes inside or outside, just to get some of those kiddos who maybe aren't as innately up and moving all of the time Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're given those opportunities to, to develop those 
motor skills. Yeah, those are great ideas and tips. And I was just thinking about letting kids get dirty, kind of letting kids be kids and educating parents on this is what we're going to do. We're going to go outside. We're going to let them get dirty. They're Mm -hmm. going to come to you dirty because some parents can get really upset if their child that they dressed in this really cute (laughs) aesthetic outfit comes home in just like their onesie and they don't mm. have all their accessories on or they're very dirty, they smell like sunscreen, that can be really upsetting to them because of their values and what they view as important. Would you have any more comments for parents, you know, about letting kids get dirty? And uh, I think, you know, in today's age, it's also really hard. The, the dirty piece to me also goes with like being okay with a little bit of risk. And so I think sometimes we don't want to let our kids take risks, whether that be to like, and I'm not saying to let your kid jump off of a house. Yeah, no, no. By any means, but you know, if we're like out in nature or like at a playground, you know, kind of guided, like letting them climb up on things, I would say just having some of that equipment or exposure or seeing other kids that they spend a lot of time with being able to do these things, that just giving them those opportunities, sometimes if it's in a nice guided (laughs) way can help them to develop some of those motor skills and confidence in themselves in a good way to help them improve some of those physical activity skills. Obviously, you know when too much is, (laughs) you you know, being super crazy. But I think sometimes us parents or caregivers are like too afraid of letting them get muddy or get dirty because they might get hurt. Um, Then just letting them kind of play and figure out some of those things on their own. What advice would you have for people who are afraid of, you know, letting their kids take risks? Because that's their baby. That's their child. I hear you. You know, you don't want anything to go wrong. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, it's a it could be a guided risk, right? So if my two year old is walking up the stairs at a at a playground. I have my hands right there um, so that if he falls, I can catch him, but Mm -hmm. he's still getting the opportunity to climb up the stairs. So thinking about ways like that, if, if you are hesitant or concerned about them of just being close enough that if something would happen, you would you would be there, but not necessarily. It's not like you just let him go free, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back here and good luck. Like I, I think I'll be able to hear you if you fall. Uh, so just being a little bit more like you're there to get them, and they will feel that too, right? Like that they're gonna be a little bit more confident in themselves that they were gonna be willing to try stuff if you're with them as their loved caregiver or parent, yeah. but just giving them some of those opportunities or finding ways like, hey, we're on a walk. There's like a log that's fallen down. Let me hold your hand as you try to like walk on this log. That might not seem super risky, but if you don't allow them or like, you know, think about like, oh, this might be an opportunity to kind of explore a little bit or let them find a dirty creek or whatever that is, (laughs) Uh, then they won't know that there are those kind of opportunities. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was just having a conversation with a group of professional early childhood um, educators that I've been working with. And they were talking about one of their kids who was climbing the playset, And she's like, I want to let him explore and take risks. And so I was saying as he was climbing this playground set, do you feel safe? Do you feel safe? And he was like, yep, yep, feeling good. And he just kept getting higher and higher and higher. 
her and she's like, I maybe should have cut him off a little bit sooner. But what are some ways that we can talk about safety with kids and encourage them to be kind of advocates for their own safety while we're also looking out for them and giving supervision and monitoring? Yeah. So I think, you know, just as there are those kids who are innately active and want to move, there's those kids who are innate risk takers and will go way beyond what you would actually want them to go. And so, I mean, I think it's perfectly acceptable in those where they're, you know, maybe a bit too high for their britches or (laughs) (laughs) Uh, however you want to say that to just, hey, you can't go above this. You know, this is the highest you can go without a without an adult near you. And so I think just if you see those kids who are just those innate risk takers of just, you know, letting them know some of those boundaries of like, if you go above this, like it's not safe and you will be in trouble. Just to also dial back some of those kids (laughs) um, who are super risky and have no fear because that is also the case for some children. Yeah. And then how do you think parents and caregivers can learn more about ways to support healthy living for them and their children. There's a wide variety of resources that are out there. A couple of them that you can do, we try to through our lab. Uh, we have our on Twitter and on Facebook that maybe we can put like the link where we've developed some resources. So like a seasonal resource guide in terms of here's an activity you can try with an infant, toddler, preschooler. I know we've shared that through some other UNL extension things that I'm sure we could probably share here. Yeah. Two, uh, Head Start has a like another calendar type thing of activities to try. And then also Shape America is a physical, like a national physical activity organization. And they also have just a list of whether it be parents or early childhood professionals, just some different ideas of activities for infants, toddlers, and preschoolers if you're looking for ideas. Okay, that is a great list of resources that we can direct people towards and hopefully they'll try them out. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. That's all we have for our time for this episode. So I challenge the listeners to go and be active today. And thank you so much, Janae, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And I'm happy if anybody has any questions or needs resources or ideas. That's kind of what we do in our in our lab at UNO. Uh, and so if there is a resource that you feel like is missing or you need ideas, I would welcome any um, anyone to reach out to me. I'm happy to help however we can. Great. Okay. So if you have any questions or want some more information, feel free to reach out to Danae. She'll be happy to respond to you. Thanks again for your time today, Danae. Thank you. Dr. Dinkle and I discussed encouraging young children to take risks and be active. So I decided to talk to two youngsters to hear their perspective. Listen to what they had to say next. Who is somebody who has been encouraging to you? My mom and my dad. When I was too scared to do something, they would encourage me to go on and do it. And it ended up being a lot of fun. When is a time that you were scared and they helped you overcome that? Going on a water slide. Oh, yes. Where was the water slide at? At the pool in my neighborhood. And it turned out to be really fun? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Do you love water slides now? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So what are some things they told you to help you not feel scared or that helped encourage you to try it? It might be fun. And if you don't try it, you'll you'll always be afraid of it. It can be hard to try new things sometimes. It's a struggle for me sometimes to try new things. Uh Because when you try new things, it makes you feel scared. But you don't know until you have done it, so... 
This has been an episode of The Good Life in Early Life, a Nebraska Extension Early Childhood production with your host, Emily Manning. For more information on early childhood, check out our website at child.unl.edu. If you like the show, subscribe and tell your friends to listen. The show production team is Emily Manning, Dr. Holly Hatton, Ingrid Lindahl, Aaron Campbell, Linda Reddish, Kim Walsant, Katie Krause, and LaDonna Worth. See you next time. Bye-bye.